0: Forgotten Stories of Football. Abraham Klein, the master of the whistle. How a little-known Israeli survived politics, prejudice and even the Holocaust to become the best referee in the world. Written by Rob Smythe. Part 1. Forgotten Stories of Football. From The Guardian. Abraham Klein had his hands in his pockets. He was 36 years old and about to referee his first World Cup game. To one side stood Pelé, Carlos Alberto, Rivellino and Jairzinho. To the other, Bobby Moore, Bobby Charlton, Jeff Hurst and Gordon Banks. This was the grandest game between the favourites Brazil and the holders England. The final before the final. The referee was an unknown Israeli. One report said that appointing him was like sending a Boy Scout to Vietnam. Klein trusted his ability. So did FIFA. But anybody with an anima would have been nervous. He had refereed international games before. Only five of them, though, none anywhere near this stratosphere. This was a football opera, and his hands were trembling like a violin string. It gave a whole new meaning to the pre-match handshake. I was very nervous, he says. My hands were shaking, so I put them in my pockets. I did not want the players to see how my hands were moving. Then I took them out and I decided to be strong in my body and in my hand. He met both captains with an unyielding handshake, looked left and right and blew the whistle for the start of the match. His life had just taken an almighty fork in the road.
1: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Forgotten stories of football. Abraham Klein, the master of the whistle. The past may be a foreign country, but that's no excuse for xenophobia. The arrogance of modernity dictates that the best we have ever seen becomes the best that ever there was. How would we know? It's certainly true of referees. At the end of the 20th century, Pierluigi Colina was widely perceived to be the best referee in the history of football. Colina was a wonderful referee, surely the best of his generation. Beyond that, we don't really know. Suggestions that he was bald head and shoulders above all other referees is an insult to those who excelled before him. Not least, Abraham Klein, the marvellous Israeli referee who was generally accepted as the world's best in the 1970s and early 1980s. In a piece in the Times during Italia 90, the veteran football writer David Miller said Klein was probably the best referee of the past 20 years. Alan Robinson, the Overseas and Services Secretary of the English Referees Association from 1968 to 2004, described him as the master of the whistle. In the interests of balance, we must point out that not everybody concurred. Klein did not appear in Graham Pohl's list of the 50 greatest referees of all time, a list that includes Graham Pohl. Klein's is an astonishing story, pitched somewhere between feel-good fairy tale and life-affirming quality drama. Cinderella, as done by HBO. To say his is a life less ordinary doesn't begin to do it justice. He survived prejudice, politics and even the Holocaust, to reach the top of his trade. He made his World Cup debut in one of the tournament's most famous matches, when, in referee years, he was barely out of short pants. He missed the 1974 World Cup because of the Munich massacre of his fellow Israelis two years earlier. He was scandalously deprived of the World Cup final of 1978, punished for his own scrupulous excellence. He ran the line in the 1982 World Cup, while not knowing whether his son was alive or dead. He overcame all that to be regarded as peerless. No wonder, he says, determination is his strongest characteristic. Klein is the type of person who sees the good in everything and everyone, except baseball, a rare hate. Even on the phone from the other side of the world, he radiates an avuncular wisdom. He has a habit of saying, I must tell you, and when he does, you feel like you're settling down for an audience with Mr Miyagi. Klein is also unfailingly polite. When you say matter-of-factly that he was the world's best referee, he says simply, thank you, thank you. If this paints a picture of Klein as a soft man, don't believe it. He has an innate toughness that allowed him to control matches with natural authority in an age when hard man roamed the field with malevolent intent. That and a level of preparation that will put most modern referees to shame, never mind those 40 years ago, were two of the keys to his success. Klein regularly uses the phrase, I feel it, testament to the sixth sense that served him so well on the field. Another of his favourite words is, unbelievable. This is no Chris Kamara-like tick. Klein's story is one you wouldn't dream of scripting. Timisoara is often described as the most beautiful city in Romania. A piece in The Guardian spoke of its old, age-worn architecture, handsome, cracked grandeur, and wealth of genuinely grand Habsburg buildings. Yet sometimes, beauty is in the mind's eye of the beholder. There is no beauty for Abraham Klein. Timisoara is where he was born and spent his first 13 years, six of them during the Second World War my memories of that city are so bad that when I was in Romania as a UEFA observer, they asked me two or three times if I wanted to go to Timisoara to see my city, he says. I told them I don't want to go. What I remember, I don't want to remember again. (whistles) Klein eventually escaped Timisoara, one of 500 children who were put on a train to the Netherlands. My mother was still alive, he says. Many of my family were killed in Auschwitz in the concentration camps. My father was lucky that he left Romania in 1937 before the war started. When the war started, it was impossible to leave the country with my mother. For five years, it was very difficult for us. My mother had six sisters. We lived with them and the parents in two rooms. The situation was not the best. The train journey took three weeks, with very little food and no parents. Those who were still alive had to stay in Romania. The children were taken to a school in Appledorn, a very small place in Holland, a beautiful place, where they would stay for a year. I remember the first meal we had. It was lunchtime after three weeks on the train. When we arrived at the restaurant, there was plenty of bread on the table. We all ran inside and started eating the bread. Then they came to tell us, Wait, wait, we have plenty of food. We have soup, milk, potatoes. Don't eat all the bread. The memories are some of the happiest of Klein's life. I must tell you that whenever I come back to Holland, I go to see Appledorn. After a year, he went to a kibbutz in Israel, then back to live with his parents in Haifa. I came to the conclusion that life in a kibbutz was not for me. The kindness that he found in Appledorn tattooed itself on his soul. There are things in life that you cannot forget. When, after the Second World War, a country like Holland gives you the feeling that you are at home, when they give you everything, food, education, sport, etc, etc. These are things that you cannot forget. It was something unbelievable. Abraham Klein was not supposed to be a referee. He loved football and wanted to be a footballer. His father had played for MTK Budapest in Hungary. Klein was good, but not up to that standard. Serendipity did what needed to be done. In the mid-50s, on a break from army duty, his parents sent him to buy some trousers from a tailor called Jonas. Jonas was about to leave to referee an amateur game. He told Klein to come with him and that he would make his trousers after the game. Jonas turned an ankle during the match. He asked Klein to step in. I told him, I don't know the laws of the game. But you've played the game? Yes, I was a player. Not the best, but I know when it's a foul. So he said, The laws of the game are very simple. It's not university. Somebody commits a foul, you whistle. That's all? that's all that's in the laws? That's enough for this game. Klein showed such natural aptitude for refereeing and such enjoyment of it that he soon took the formal refereeing examinations. He would catch up with Jonas more than two decades later. Jonas later moved to New York and found Klein among 60,000 people at a New York Cosmos game. But, says Klein, he didn't have my trousers. By then Klein was wearing the trousers on the field of play. He rose through the ranks, refereeing army games, youth games, Israeli league games, and even the first meeting between teams from West Germany and Israel. In 1969, Hapoel Naria played against an amateur German team named Bayernhof. Klein had no idea of its significance until he was interviewed by a German TV company 40 years later for a documentary. He had refereed his first Israeli league game in 1958 at the age of 24. Six years later, he graduated to international football when Israel played a friendly against the Netherlands. In 1965, at the age of 31, he was given his first major game, Italy versus Poland in Rome. It was on a scale previously unimaginable. The biggest grounds in Israel held 20,000, Now, he would be officiating a World Cup qualifier in front of 80,000. Klein decided to take matters into his own hands. A week before the match, on his own initiative and out of his own pocket, he went to watch Roma play Napoli at the Stadio Olimpico. I decided, alone, to take a plane in the morning, he says. I came back late with Alitalia. Ten o'clock at night, I remember. I went to the game. I bought a ticket. Nobody knew that I was there. I was in the stadium with the people, in the crowd, and I felt the weather, you know? I felt how they behaved. I was shocked because 80,000 people were shouting and crying. He was not shocked a week later when he returned for the Poland game. Klein's preparation could not have been more thorough. He learned as much as possible about the players. This in an age before computers, never mind the internet, and when phone calls overseas were extremely expensive. Klein wrote to a friend in Poland, asking for information on their team, and persuaded Gazeta dello Sport to send him a series of cuttings. They wrote everything, every day, about everybody, he says. They knew more about the players than the families. He learned that Gigi Rivera was a star player and that the defenders tried to kick him all the time. Klein, always a keen exponent of the advantage rule, one of the most beautiful things in the game, vowed to play it wherever possible. Three of Italy's goals in a 6-1 win came from advantages. The FIFA observers at the ground took notice.
1: That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months, plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for
0: new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Borough order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com ACAST.
0: Forgotten Stories of Football Abraham Klein The Master of the Whistle Throughout his career, Klein was not prepared to fail. The level of his preparation, both physical and mental, was extraordinary. He was not years ahead of his time. He was a generation ahead. It's a good advantage, not just in refereeing, but in life, if you know all about the person standing before you, he says. He would study hours of videos to see what tactics the teams used which players dived, which tried to bully opponents or referees. In 1970, he arrived early and spent a fortnight in the Camino Royal in Guadalajara, acclimatising and studying teams. I knew the tactics of the Brazilian players, he says. I saw that inside the area, or just outside, because of Revelino's free kicks, that if it was shoulder to shoulder, they would be very close to the grass. If you remember the England game... Alan Mullery was with Pele inside the area, shoulder to shoulder, and Pele was down. So, I tried to learn everything, and I also studied the behavior of players when the referee made decisions they did not like. Before every tournament, I tried to learn the language. Of course, I knew Hungarian, which was my mother language, as Timisoara was originally part of Hungary, and Romanian. I spoke some German, not the best. I learned Spanish, French, Italian, because at school I learned Latin, so it was very simple. I didn't understand 100%, but if I understood more than 50% when I read sport magazines, that was enough. He understood 100% about diet and exercise. In his 1995 guidebook for officials, The Referee's Referee, Klein goes into rare detail about his preparation. Everything is explained, down to the last carbohydrate portion, the last check of your pulse rate, the last 2,000-metre jog, and the last 50-metre sprint – backwards, this time to simulate match conditions. In the mid-1970s, when Prozone was but a glint in Sam Allardyce's eye, Klein measured that he ran 7.5 miles in a match. Before that Mexico World Cup, he climbed mountains in Israel to help cope with the altitude. Before the Argentina World Cup, eight years, he trained in a similar climate in Cape Town. In 1982, when he was concerned that, at the age of 48, his fitness was not what it should be, the passing of time started to put marks on my body. He commissioned a physical trainer, called Jacob Almor, who prepared a bespoke programme. It was based on gradually increasing my stamina and my physical conditioning, said Klein. It included long distance running on sandy beaches and on hard surface streets of my town, Haifa. Long distance endurance cycling and short speed sprints on an athletic field, as well as utilizing a gym where weightlifting and rubber bands equipment helped my load endurance and flexibility. We started slowly but then picked up the tempo. The training was intense, twice each day, mornings and evenings. It was murder very hard. Plenty of suffering for a 48-year-old chap. I shed nine pounds in four weeks and prepared my body for 120 minutes of physical stress so as to allow me proper refereeing stamina for extra time, just in case. Almor wanted no money and said it would be an honor to help Klein. But always the preparation was done off Klein's own bat and, when necessary, out of his own pocket. In his day, Referees had to pass the Cooper test, running 2,600 metres in 12 minutes, as part of their preparation. When he later became chairman of the Referees Committee, he immediately upped it to 3,000 metres. I told the referees, you must be fitter than the players, because there are 11 players on the field. You have to be in the right position. A striker can miss a goal, but if a referee misses an incident, It can be catastrophic. Some very, very famous referees, I don't want to tell you their names, made some bad decisions in World Cup games. It was their last World Cup. I made mistakes in my country in some games, I know, but I couldn't afford for 1970 to be my last World Cup. Learning from those mistakes was a key part of his development. The first analysis after the game is the most important thing. To learn and not to think you are the best in the world. When I met my wife, she told me, Every time, you can do better. And she is right. You can do better in everything. Whenever I made a mistake, then I tried to avoid doing it again. I had a semi-final in Tel Aviv when the ball was not over the line, but I was in a poor position and awarded the goal. Everybody wanted to kill me. In Italy versus Brazil in 1982, the last moment of the game, you can see Dino Zoff on the line with the ball after saving Oscar's header. I had an excellent view. You can see the Brazilian players wave their hands that the ball is in, but I knew that the ball was not over the line. In the last minute of his last World Cup game as referee, Klein's immaculate preparation had paid off one last time. Abraham Klein arrived in Guadalajara in late May 1970. For the next two weeks, he ignored the not inconsiderable temptations of a fascinating city and concentrated on his usual preparation. I didn't leave my hotel for two weeks, not even for one day to see the city, he says. I didn't see the city at all, only the hotel and the stadium. I wanted to concentrate only on the game. I knew that I could not have a bad game. It was very important for me because I knew that, coming from a small country, I have a big responsibility to the FIFA members who appointed me to the game. Later, I asked Sir Stanley Rouse or Ken Aston, the FIFA president and chairman of the referees' committee respectively, why they chose me. I was a very young referee, with no experience, only five international games. Aston always told me, We trust you. You are honest. You've made a good impression, and you are in good physical condition. Klein wasn't plucked out of thin air. He was picked because he could cope with thin air. He had shown that during the Mexico Olympics in 1968, and FIFA knew he was fit enough to cope with Mexico's oppressive heat. England's Terry Cooper would lose 12 pounds in the match. Klein still had the problem of being perceived as the Boy Scout in Nam. The players of Brazil and England did not know who he was. Before the game, they looked at me. Who is this standing in the middle of the field? They knew nothing about me. I tried from the first moment to respect the players. I looked them in the eye. A little later, during the game they understood that they should also respect my refereeing. He controlled the game calmly from the first whistle. It flowed gracefully from end to end, a festival of goodwill and mutual respect, and is still one of the World Cup's iconic contests. A referee feels, both during the game and after the game, how he is performing. If you make a mistake, you know immediately. You feel it. You feel it because of the behaviour of the players. You feel it when you watch the coach. I'm not talking about Jose Mourinho. He always protests against the referees. You have some coaches who you respect. If they wave their hands once every ten years, you think about why they are doing it. But I felt very good in that Brazil-England game. There were a couple of major incidents. Francis Lee was booked for a late challenge on the goalkeeper Felix. Then, just before half-time, Pele fell in the area after a challenge from Alan Mullery. It would have been so easy, too easy, for a young referee to be seduced by the greatest player in the world. Klein simply waved play on. He later called it the best decision of my life. His performance received universal praise. It was a tough game, said Pele but he always had total control of the action. In his story of the World Cup, Brian Glanville said the game was admirably refereed by the obscure Israeli referee Abraham Klein, an inspired appointment. What was most striking was his apparently effortless authority. Unlike some of the other great referees, Colina and Jack Taylor in particular, Klein did not have physical authority. He was 5 foot 5 inches, a fraction over 10 stone but he could impose himself in other ways. He was a big believer in body language, a firm handshake, a perfectly upright stance, a decisive signal or whistle, and eye contact. Always eye contact. It soon became apparent he did not suffer insolence or indiscipline. He was the teacher you knew not to take liberties with. In a sense, his control was supernatural. After that Brazil game, the Fort Scott tribute said... He showed he had the mysterious and decisive power to move into an explosive situation and calm them down by the simple exertion of cool authority. He could impose himself physically in his own little way. Before one game, Klein was inspecting the footwear of a notorious troublemaker and decided to squeeze the player's wrist. I merely applied a little bit of pressure, ever so slight so he knew I was making a point. We'll have no problems today, will we? During a North American Soccer League game, when Johan Cruyff was faffing, refusing to retreat ten yards at a free kick, Klein jolted him into compliance with a zesty blow with the whistle only a couple of yards from Cruyff's earlobe. (whistles) You either have authority or not, says Klein. I didn't need to give red cards. I felt that I was able to control the game and the players respected my decisions. I was very happy that I did not have to give too many red cards. I felt that the most important thing in the game was that the players respected me. If you gain their respect, you can do what you want in the game. His control of games came in no small part from his amateur psychology. Later, after reading the work of Daniel Goleman, he could give it a name. Emotional intelligence. Goleman wrote one thing which I think is very important. That to be successful in your life, you need to have emotional intelligence. You have it or you don't. You cannot learn it. You cannot go to university for it. I know many people, many famous referees. I do not want to give you names, as it is not very nice. Who did not finish high school. Yet they were excellent referees. They have emotional intelligence because they feel what other people think and can imagine what the other person is going to do. You have many politicians and businessmen. They are not intelligent, but they are very successful in what they do in life. I think you can learn how to prove your authority. But you must have authority in the first place. You can see it with Jack Taylor. I can't remember a player that came too close to him. He was a tall man, like a rock, and when he looked at players, they ran away. He had it, you know. I love the gentleman. Jack Taylor was the best referee I ever saw in my life. I learned a lot from him. I remember when he refereed the World Cup final in 1974 and awarded the penalty kick against West Germany, and Franz Beckenbauer started to move towards him. I saw him stood like a rock, with his hands waving, and Beckenbauer, one of the biggest players in the world, left immediately. He ran away from there. This, for me, is the referee. Even if he makes a mistake, the players respect him. Everybody respects him. This was Pierluigi Colina. This was Jack Taylor. This was Caroy Palatoy. This was Leo Horn. These four referees, in my opinion, were the greatest referees. He's too modest to say that this was also Abraham Klein. Abraham Klein, the Master of the Whistle, part one, was written by Rob Smythe. The reader was Raj Gatak. Studio production by Polly Thomas. Theme music composed by Mike Payne. Sound designed by Eloise Whitmore and Tony Chernside. Forgotten Stories of Football is brought to you by The
1: Guardian.